Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles. Chapter 5. Here's Pastor Ryan. Oh, my beautiful wife. Anyways, how's everyone? Good? Good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. We'll be beginning in verse 11 this evening. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. Once. And give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, we come before you again, just oh so grateful, Lord, that every day uh, your blessings are new, your mercies are new. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you in this place. And Lord, as we study your word, we pray that uh, we would hear from you, that you would speak into our lives and show us the areas that we need changing in, molding, and Lord, we just pray to be open, Lord. Remove distractions, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Baptize us. Lord, pour out your grace. Oh, Lord, we can do nothing without you. May this be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so Second Chronicles chapter 5, as, as we've been reading, as we know, King Solomon, the son of David, has completed the temple of God there in Jerusalem. He and the elders have brought the Ark of the Covenant to its new home there in the temple. And it's just a joyous time. It's a time of celebration as they inaugurate the temple of the Lord uh, on this particular day. It's just all of the nation has gathered. They're celebrating. This is what was on King David's heart, as you know. And, uh, but the Lord said no to him because he was a, a man who had shed much blood. But his son, Solomon, has been blessed with the task and it's completed. And all of Israel has gathered and uh, they're just all rejoicing. And so we continue in our text in verse 11. It says now that it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves, uh, without keeping uh, to their divisions. And so this is a, an interesting kind of once-in-a-lifetime thing that took place for these priests because we know that the temple of the Lord had three sections. It had the porch, it had the sanctuary or the holy place, that's where the showbread was and the, uh, the, uh, the lamps were. And then beyond the holy place, you had the most holy place or the holy of holies. And, and this was the place where only the high priest was to go into. But on this particular day, once in a lifetime, never again, all the other kind of regular priests got to go in there. But we know that in Exodus, God had warned Moses to warn Aaron after God had 
had taken out Aaron's two sons for offering strange fire on the altar of the Lord. Remember, they presumed to just, we can do this too kind of thing. And so the Lord killed two of Aaron's sons. And so the Lord would warn Moses, tell Aaron that not just anybody can go into the most holy place, but it has to be the high priest, Aaron. And Aaron had to go through an extensive uh, sanctification, cleansing process before he could go in there. He couldn't just walk in. And, and we know that he had to go with the, with the blood from a, the sacrifice of an animal uh, on behalf of the people's sins and his own sins and go and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant, that golden box where the mercy seat was that represented God's presence. And so the Lord warned Moses, only he can do it. And we know that that the high priest was only able to do that once a year on the day of atonement. But on the cross, our Lord, we know we love Jesus because rather than it being exclusive where just the high priest can go and meet with God, Jesus Christ, uh, you know, made a pathway for all of us sinners who would have faith in him, who would believe in him, to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies and spend time with our Father uh, to find mercy, to find grace, to find help. And all of those things, we have access. And if you remember in the Gospels, when the Lord was on the cross, Luke 23, it says that now it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And so we read that when Jesus died, that veil was torn from top to bottom. That, that was a separating veil that no one can go in but what man. But now it's torn all of you, all of us can go in anytime. Ephesians 2, Paul would write um, in verse 14, for he, that's Jesus, Ephesians 2, chapter 14, for he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Jesus has brought peace uh, between all of us who love him and also with God the Father. For how can sinful man have peace with a holy God? Through Christ Jesus, because he makes us righteous. His blood cleanses us of all sins, giving us access to the Father. And so anyone can come. One of the best lines our Lord ever, ever spoke was in John six thirty seven. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That's the Father's heart. doesn't matter what you've done. You come to Jesus by faith, willing to repent of your sins, you can come. And so um, they came out of the most holy place, these priests. And it says here, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division. So all of these priests who got to go in there for like 
Can you imagine being that generation? Like, I actually saw the most holy place. No other priests. No, nobody, no, nobody else can ever say that. But that day, uh, they were allowed. And they weren't in their divisions. They weren't like going in there categorized in whatever division of priesthood they were. They were just, it's just a day of celebration. They all went in together. And yet it says that they sanctified themselves even though they weren't in their ranks. You know what I'm saying? They, they weren't organized to the extent where division, division, division. They were just all in there together. And I just love the fact for all of the priests who were present had sanctified, and the key word is themselves. And that's a mature believer. One who understands, I must sanctify myself daily. Like, I don't need somebody to tell me, you know, you ought, to, you ought to purify yourself today. You ought to do what you have to do to get clean with God. A mature Christian is at the point where we wake up, we get, we get our book, the Bible, we go before the Lord, we ask Him to cleanse us, our hearts, forgive us our sins, and we just receive His mercy and His forgiveness as we're telling them, we're repenting for whatever those things we need cleansing from. The Holy Spirit teaches us what things we need to repent of. But see, a mature Christian understands the importance of needing to sanctify themselves. To set, it means to set yourself apart for God's use. And so that prayer must be, thy will be done. Thy will be done today. I'm giving myself, setting myself apart to do thy will. Not mine, thy will. Peter would write, and it's been a pretty familiar or pretty repeated verse that I've been quoting lately, 1 Peter chapter 3.15, where he, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So throughout scripture, we're just encouraged. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts, right? Confess your sins to the Lord. Repent of them. And just receive his mercy and his forgiveness. And then in verse 12 we read, And the Levites who were the singers, or right, the musicians now, the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and uh, Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, that brazen, uh, you know, uh, bronze altar, altar there on the outside of the court on the temple where all the sacrifices were made the singers these levites they all stood on the east end of that huge altar that huge barbecue and they were clothed in linen having cymbals stringed instruments and harps and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets and the first thing i want to uh uh point out to you is that they were dressed in, in white linen garments which obviously speaks to holiness and to purity and these are the singers these are the ones that God had set apart you know and gave skill to so that they can lead the people in the worship of the Lord the praises of the Lord the thanksgiving of the Lord and they had to be pure sanctified as we already talked about and it's important that for any musicians in any church that uh, any worship team within the body of Christ, that they are 
uh, living lives of holiness, that they are pure of heart, and really those who sanctify themselves before the Lord. Because in churches, this area can be the, a real messy area because people walk into churches all the time with all the talent in the world and they can play the drum like nobody's business and they can, you know, play the guitar, the mandolin and all of these various um, uh, gifts and talents. But what's most important to the Lord is that they're purified, that they're sanctified, that they have humble hearts and that their heart is for the Lord. Because there are plenty of people with talent whose hearts are not for the Lord. And it's a very serious thing to the Lord. And, and uh, you know, the, the praising of the Lord, uh, the, the preparing of our hearts in song. I mean, it's like we're being prepared for war. And so you don't want people leading you into battle whose hearts aren't really for the Lord. And it's like any other gift in, 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 in the body of Christ. If, if a person's heart is not right, then it kind of defeats the purpose on, on, the, on the gift. And, and it defeats the purpose on the talent. So, you know, if, if God has touched your heart with skill or a talent, or he's given all of us gifts, you know, make sure that the heart is pure. That your heart is dressed in linen white and and that you're good on the inside. That's super important to the Lord. That we're obedient to his word. Because, uh, it, you know, when it comes to playing music, obviously they need to play in harmony. But in a spiritual sense, all of us as a church should be in harmony. There should be unity amongst us. And that's where our next uh, 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 topic uh, is here it says here that they stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen having cymbals stringed instruments and harps and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets indeed verse 13 it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And so that's a very beautiful and exciting time. And, and, and the way it came about was the was when the worship people were synchronized, when they, you know, were, when they got it together, where the singers and the trumpeters were all on the same page, and they made that sound of praising and thanksgiving to the Lord, it was powerful. Not only to the people, you know, in, with playing the instruments, the, the Levites, but it was powerful, no doubt, to the people who were there. And it was well-pleasing to the Lord. You, we, we, re, we read that that cloud came down just to show them, I'm about this, God would say. You know, he's for this. He's with them. He's leading this. He's in their midst. And that's how important unity is within the body of Christ. You know, it, there's something to be said about being like-minded and and it's one thing that I've learned in, in my walk with the Lord, how important it is for churches, no matter what churches that you're, 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 you attend or you're part of, 
Whatever church a person's a part of, that church should have unity amongst themselves. They should have a oneness of mind. I've learned that to be more important in my later walk with the Lord. It is so important. Chuck Smith used to say, oh, not everybody can receive my ministry. That's one of the wisest things that, that I, I can re- recall him saying to all of us pastors. You know, it's like, not, I, I'm good with that. Not everybody can receive uh, our ministry here at Sweet Hills. We have a particular <laughs> brand of Calvary Chapel, and I'm proud of it, and I love it, and it's who we are. We are who we are by the grace of God. But how we need to be one, how we have to, have to pray, Lord, help us to be of one heart and of one mind because when we are my goodness when that ship is 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 going in the same direction it's a very powerful weapon in the hand of god and the enemy knows that unity is destructive for his kingdom so he'll do everything to separate us he'll do everything to divide us he'll do everything to keep us away from this place it's important that we have unity and oneness just like the worship team has to come together and they practice from time to time. They, they practice to harmonize. They practice to be able to play the same notes and be on the same. So we too should also practice in our fellowship with one another. A lot of people talk about social anxiety nowadays. You know, that's a real deal. You know, All I can say to that is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we just have to pray until it goes away. And that might be more than our 15 minutes of normal prayer. It might just be all day. Lord, I will not let go of you until you take this from me. So that I can go amongst my brothers and sisters without fear and just fellowship. Get to know them. I grew up very antisocial in the punk scene and the gang member scene. And we're, we're, we just kick back with our own and hate everybody else in the, on, the, on the planet. That's how I was raised. And all of a sudden, the Lord's like, oh no, the body of Christ, one big family. You know, so you find yourself hanging out with judges and police officers and probation officers and, you know, all the guys on the other side of the, <laughs> of the life. And it doesn't, and the fellowship is sweeter and funnier because it's God. And, and all of us want to be lawful. We're of one mind. We want to honor God's word. We want to see people get saved. But, you know, as a family, we grow by being amongst one another and um, fellowshipping. And I think it's all of our call to make it happen. I really do. As a pastor, we're trying to put more things on the schedule. We'll probably have like those dinners, dinners for eight that we used to have. Those are really fun. Where like you can sign up to host people at your pad. And then like, uh, I think, is it eight people who come? That makes 10. So it would be six people that come. <laughs> Three couples that come, right? Dinner for six. And then you just hang out and then we do like a rotation. And so everyone kind of gets to know each other. That's a good way, you know. Another good way is just coming to church more frequently. And sticking around, you know, going to get Mexican food at these taco trucks. You know, um, but God does bless his people when they, when they have unity. 
God blesses a home when there's unity. When husband and wife are on the same page spiritually. When the kids are, are admonished in the Lord, there's unity. It's powerful. And that's when our days are full and full of joy and peace. But when is there heartache? When there's division, when there's strife. Paul would say, in endeavoring to keep the unity of the saints, like endeavor. And as pastors, part of our job is to protect the church from division. Like as a pastor, that's what I have, to, one of the jobs I get to do is, is, is quell, quell that? Yeah, stop that. Crush it! I just got back from Ken's church, so that's the kind of stuff he does. He just, <laughs> Oh my goodness. But anyways, Psalm 22, verse 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. God is holy and he inhabits the praises of his people. He, he is, among, when we praise him, he inhabits that. He's in the midst of that. As Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst of you. God is here. God is here. The early church was filled with unity. And I believe that's why it was so powerful. And we read about it in the book of Acts, just how fantastic uh, it was. We read throughout the book of Acts how they continued daily with one accord in the temple, right? In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, in the breaking of bread from house to house, that they ate their bread with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. God still blesses unity. God is still, while he tarries, while we're waiting for him to pull this church out of here, he still wants us to meet that way, get together, fellowship. Man, there's so much healing in that, right? The Bible says to pray for one another, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. In Acts 4.32, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. I mean, how do you practice to be selfless? How do you practice to love thy neighbor as yourself, right? But, but, but by being around them, right? It's like, I'm a, a fantastic Christian by myself. I, I am so long-suffering. But then you get around God's people and you're just like... I need Jesus. I need Jesus right now. Bad. I'm a sinner. That's what I am. That's what happens. So around, that's, you know, right? That's what kids are for. That's what par uh, pets are for too, apparently, in my case. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Boldness comes directly from knowing that I'm part of a team. I went all the way to Maine 
my crazy eye situation out in the boonies at some amazing cabin where I had a where the restroom was a composite what was it Compo- compost I'll preach it till I die we had a compost toilet man where you put two scoops after you use it like a cat where electricity and the water only worked with a generator Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.